0: Let's all stand for a few moments. I'd like to just uh, take this uh, time just to pray before we get into the Word. Father, I thank You that You have not brought us this far just to bring us this far. I thank you that with you, there are no uh, b- bad days. It's just good days and growth days, Lord. I thank you, God, that your favor is upon this house, Lord. And I thank you, God, that the, the future is an amazing future. I pray, Father, that your favor will rest upon this house. We do not presume to come into your presence with our own righteousness, Lord, but we come with the blood of Jesus Christ, Lord. We approach that throne of grace, that grace to receive grace and mercy in time of need, Lord. And so as we draw near through that new and living way, made opened by the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus Christ, Lord. We honour the blood, we honour the sacrifice, we honour what you've done for us at the cross and we give you all the glory and all the praise and everybody said, Amen. You may be seated in the presence of God. This morning I want to speak on navigating in the Spirit and of course the past few weeks have been some of the most difficult periods in my 31 years in full-time ministry. There's been a lot of introspection, a lot of soul searching as you can imagine as I try to take stock where I perhaps went wrong in the failed acquisition of the property at Sultan Plaza. Obviously, there are things that need to be readjusted, realigned in my own personal life. And one of them is divine guidance or spiritual navigation. I think my greatest pain has been uh, my own violation of the very principles I thought other people. And I mentioned two weeks ago in my eagerness, I guess, in my uh, desire to secure a second site for the church, I broke one of the cardinal rules of guidance, and that is I didn't allow for time. I didn't allow for time to test the word. I was hasty, I ignored some of the warnings that were in my own heart, the absence of peace, and tried to find sort of justification for relentlessly plodding on in spite of the inner voice saying otherwise, right? Uh, So it's back to the drawing board, I guess. Uh, I overlooked some crucial things for which I bear full responsibility. Uh, Since the service two weeks ago, I, I must say that I received nothing but an overwhelming outpouring of support and encouragement from the many members of the church for which I am deeply grateful. Conniston, you're an amazing church. You are a very uh, forgiving church too. <laughs> thank you very much. And thank you very much for your amazing support and encouragement. A poll was done with 5,000 uh, regular churchgoers and the question was asked, what is the one message you would like your pastor to preach? The number one answer was, what does the Bible has to say about the future or what we call biblical prophecy, and of course this is always a big favourite uh, with a lot of church members, right? But the number two question, the number two answer is very interesting. It, it, the, the answer was, how do I know what the will of God is for my life, right? The second answer of course has to do with guidance. Most Christians want to know what the will of God is for their lives. Now whether or not they actually obey the will of God, embrace the will of God, that's a different sermon, right? But I think that the most important question, uh, principle in divine guidance is to understand that God has not given us the ability to direct our own lives. Yeah, you heard me. God has not given us the ability to direct our own lives. In Jeremiah, I I think that one of the, this is the the key principle of guidance, right? Jeremiah chapter 10 and verse 23, the Lord, uh, Jeremiah says, Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man who walks to direct his own steps. One of the great deceptions today is to think that we are somehow clever enough to determine and decide for ourselves the path that we want to take. And that was essentially, if you think about it, the temptation in the Garden of Eden, right? What the serpent was putting before Eve was that you really don't need God's guidance. You don't really need God to, to, uh, to direct you. You're exactly like God. You have the same faculties that God has, the same intelligence and and, uh, you don't have to make any decisions uh, uh, with his counsel. And, uh, but what does the scripture tell us? It is not in man. It is not in man to direct his own steps, which is why we're instructed in scripture to acknowledge him in all our ways and he will direct our paths, hallelujah. In other words, when God created us, he did not put in a built-in GPS or a navigation system. In James chapter 5, the apostle talks about the fallacy of planning without God. And of course, you know, after yesterday's announcement, the whole uh, Singapore Airlines site crashed and everybody is booking without consulting God. (laughs) (laughs) Just dive in, man. Whenever you travel here or there without first consulting Him, the apostle James says you're acting in an arrogant and a boastful manner. And he bases all that on the single premise that you don't even know what's going to happen in your life tomorrow. And if you don't know what's going to happen in your life tomorrow, how can you plan for the future? So everything he says, when we plan for anything, and again, I'm not discounting planning because we need to plan. But when you plan, you have to preface every statement with, if the Lord wills, I don't ever want to make this mistake ever again in my life. At this stage in my life, man, I don't want to make the mistake of making any crucial decision. Now, of course, there are daily decisions we make. Uh, something like 30,000 remote decisions we, a human being makes every single day. And 80% of those decisions that internal dialogue is negative. Did you know that? It's amazing. Of course, I don't, the Lord, we don't need to ask the Lord, Lord, what shirt do I have to wear today? You know, what do I have for lunch? Use your common sense. Amen. (laughs) But um, uh, we don't want to make this mistake of 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 making crucial decisions without first acknowledging him, amen? Now, prior to electronic uh, navigation, there was a certain harbor in Italy that could only be reached by sailing through a very narrow channel that was sandwiched by dangerous rocks and shoals. And over the years, many ships had been shipwrecked as a result of trying to navigate through those dangerous channels. It was extremely hazardous. So to guide the ship safely to port, uh, the harbor authorities erected three huge lights mounted on poles. And when those three lights were in perfect alignment and all you saw was one single light, then you know it was an indication that the ship can begin to navigate up this channel. But if the lights were not in perfect alignment, then the pilot knows that he is a little off course and the ship is in danger, all right? And what he has to do is he has to maneuver and maneuver the ship so that the vessel uh, is in line with all the three lights and uh, appear as one before he can move forward and then safely turn the vessel into harbor. In the same way, God has provided for us three beacons of light to guide us. And the same rules that apply in navigation also apply in divine guidance as well. We have to ensure that these three lights are in perfect alignment before it is safe for us to proceed up the channel of light. And the three harbour lights of guidance are number one, the Word of God, which is the objective standard. Number two, the Holy Spirit, which is the subjective witness. And number three, circumstances, which is divine providence. Now... Together, these three beacons assure us that the direction and the guidance we have received is from God. Now, in most of our modern vehicles, we have something called a built-in GPS, right? And oftentimes, when we set the GPS uh, and we make the wrong turn, the voice in the GPS will say, recalculating, right? The voice is not mad at you. It is not angry with you. It is just recalculating how best to get you back on track again. It is the same with God. A friend of mine calls God Jehovah recalculator. Hallelujah. When you're off course in direction, He's not angry with you. He doesn't yell at you. He's just recalculating your current trajectory in order to get you back on course, and that's what Isaiah 31 and verse 20 uh, 30 and verse 21 is all about. He says, You shall hear a word behind you saying, This is the way, walk in it. Whenever you turn to the right hand or whenever you turn to the left, when do we when do we hear that nudging voice of the Holy Spirit in our ear? It's when we make a detour, it's when we turn to the left, it's when we turn to the right and we start going off course. That's when we're gonna hear the voice of God. I tell you this Our God is not a talkative God, amen. He doesn't need to speak to you every moment of the day and says, you're on the right course, you're on the right course. When you're driving on the road and you're on the right course in the highway, the GPS doesn't have to say you're on the right course uh, until you start veering off course. And that's important, right? Because God will speak to us. You will only hear the voice of God when you start veering off course. And here's another interesting fact, right? Did you know that despite of turbulence uh, that keeps airplanes about 90% off their uh, intended flight, most of the flights arrive at the correct destination and at their intended time. And there are two reasons for that. Number one, ground control. And number two, there's an internal guidance system. And because of these two things, pilots are constantly course correcting. That's really important. But if this is not addressed, then uh, it can result In disaster, of course, you know, in 1979, there was a passenger plane with 257 people on board left for New Zealand to the Antarctica for a sightseeing tour. Uh, they had punched the coats a bit off, two degrees off. Uh, and the plane ended up something like 28 miles east of where the pilot assumed it was going and approaching Antarctica, the pilots descended to give the people on the plane a better view of the, of the, of the, of the place and uh, what they did not know was the false coordinates, the wrong coordinates uh, uh, placed the plane in direct path of an active volcano and before they know it, bang! Uh, you know, the, it was too late, the plane crashed into the volcano killing uh, everybody on board and so the error of only a few degrees brought about such an enormous tragedy. Small things, if you don't correct them, can become big things, right? And uh, my friends, you don't ever have to experience with life, experiment with life, sorry. There's a blueprint for you. There's a blueprint, there's a plan for your life, and all you need to do in life really is to ask God, what is the plan that you have for my life, and start to live life with purpose. All right, let's, let's come to the first beacon, right? That's the Word of God. This is what we call the objective witness. The Word of God or the written Word is the supreme authority and criteria and all of our guidance, right? Psalms 119 and verse 105 says, Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. A lamp of course is to provide and guide you step by step so that you don't stumble or slip. And the light is to give you a clear view of the future so that you're not veering of course. This is a very interesting scripture in 2 Peter chapter 1 where Peter talks about his experience on the Mount of Transfiguration how he saw Moses and how he saw Elijah. And he heard that excellent voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Can you imagine what it was like to be with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration and then seeing transfigured right before your very eyes and then to hear the Father's audible voice. Man, what an experience, right? And Peter says in verse 13, and so we have the prophetic word made more sure, woo! Which you do well to heed as it shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. What Peter said, I saw the glory. I saw Jesus transfigured. I saw Moses and Elijah. I heard the voice from heaven, but I'm telling you this. He said, the written word is more sure than my experience. Come on. Hallelujah. The Bible is the unadulterated, infallible, and unchanging word of God. Jesus Himself te- testified and said, "For most assuredly I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, not one jot or tittle of the law will by any means pass till all is fulfilled." This is Matthew five eighteen. But it's more than just knowledge. Uh, the Bible is the living Word of God. Amen. It's alive. It speaks to us. Uh, just reading the Word of God can change your life, heal you of your diseases, and set you free from bondages. I remember reading about. Smith Wigglesworth and you know he would visit people that were in chronic uh, uh, sickness and disease and uh, death threatening and he would visit them and he would talk to them and he said have you read the bible no we have not read the bible he said i will not pray for you he said what i want you to do in the next few days and read matthew mark luke john and if you have to read it again and read these four gospels and when you've done i'll call me i'll come and after these people had read the four gospels, he would come lay hands on the sick and they would always get healed. It's amazing. It's when sometimes when you read the miracles of Jesus, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God, amen? Amen, it's, it's, it's just a principle, right? Uh, you know, some people of course think that the Bible is, a, is an antiquated book with outdated ideas. But let me ask you, if you wanna study mechanics or electronics or medicine or whatever, you, pick up a, you wouldn't pick up a book written 50 years ago, would you? I mean, the way that technology and the way that knowledge is advancing. I mean, you won't even seriously consider a book written 10 years ago, uh, the way that uh, these things are moving forward. But when you have a problem with human nature, when you have a problem with the human soul or the sinful nature, I want to tell you the Bible is still the gold standard. (laughs) Amen. It never goes out of style. Hallelujah. And it's interesting, in the last 2,000 years, no new sins have been discovered that the Bible has not already addressed. Come on. And that's why the Bible is such an applicable book for us because it's not an American problem or a Singaporean problem. It's a human nature problem. Amen. Now, you know when obtaining direction or counsel from the Word of God, we have to be careful about three dangers. Um, And I find this very intriguing. The first one is something called finger pointing. A young couple felt led to go to the mission field. They did not know where they were supposed to go. So they decided to open their Bible at random and point their finger at a verse. And so they opened their Bible and they point their finger and it says, the islands of the sea wait for you. And so they packed up their bags, left for the islands, and six months later they were back home. The wife spent some time in a mental institution. The husband was broken, their lives were shattered and wrecked, all because they trusted the guidance on, on finger pointing, right? Now the truth is, most of us have finger pointed. I have done this, so have you. And it's not a wise thing to do because it is effortless. And it's the easy, easy, easy way out. And that is so contrary to the nature of God. Proverbs 21 five, verse 5 says, The plans of the diligent lead surely to plenty. In other words, seeking God's direction requires effort. If we are diligent, it will lead to plenty. Hallelujah. Amen. But the rest of the verse says, The plans of everyone who is hasty leads to poverty. Each time you have this sense of compulsion to do something in haste, always beware. I heard a true story of a boy who wanted to marry a girl. Her name was Grace. So he prayed that God would give him a a verse and so he opened the Bible and finger pointed and he finger pointed a verse in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 2. It says, Grace to you, hallelujah, (laughs) and peace from God our Father. And he married the girl, true story based on that verse. I mean you think about how flimsy a marriage like that would be, right? The, the second uh, problem that we have is certain, something called button pushing and they're Christians who only will receive guidance if they can uh, be obtained from certain spiritual leaders, right? And they will keep asking until someone tells them what they wanna hear. If they don't hear what they wanna hear, they'll go to somebody else, all right? And um, there's only one condition when it comes to seeking the will of God, you must be prepared to obey it. I mean, why would God wanna speak to you? Why would He show you what His will is if He knows you already decided what you wanna do, right? The third thing is something called promise cards. You can actually buy them in uh, favor. go to Christian bookstores and you buy a box of scripture cards and there's a scripture for every day. And every morning you take one of those cards and read what it says. Now, if you do it for devotion, perfectly fine. But if you do it for guidance, that's very dangerous, right? It's, it's no different from fortune telling or horoscopes because these scriptures can be pulled out of context, can be very misleading. Now, every morning, I, I must confess, I do, I, what I do is I have this uh, you version Bible. That's a scripture for the day and a two-minute devotional that I follow every morning. Just It's two minutes only, all right? Just part of my devotion. The reason I do that is because they asked me to do a devotion some time ago, so I, I support them. But it's interesting uh, just to get a scripture and, and, and build yourself, right? Divine guidance is not luck, it's not chance, or it's not faith. Amen? Amen? All right, the, the second thing that we have as a beacon is what we call the voice of the Holy Spirit. The most fundamental thing about the voice of the Holy Spirit is God's voice will never contradict God's word. God's voice will never be in conflict with God's word. God will never tell you to divorce your wife. God will never tell you to abort your baby. Thanks, Pastor Diane. At least I've got one supporter here. He will never tell you to jump off a HDB flat and end and your life, prematurely. He will never tell you that being in an LGBTQ relationship is right. He will never tell you that you're a woman when you're a man. God will never tell you to do anything that will not line up with His word, period. Come on. 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 37, if anyone thinks he's a prophet, in other words, if you think you're hearing from God, if you think you're spiritual, and you can hear from God. Let him, Paul says, let him recognize that the things which I write to him are of the Lord's commandments. What Paul is saying here, the Holy Spirit will never contradict the written word. He will never act outside of or contradiction uh, in, uh, or in contradiction to the Scriptures which he himself inspired. And that's how you recognize the voice of God or not. If the voice is from God, it will always flow with the written word. Now here's a think of interest I, I, I just wanted to slot this in because I think that the two most important decisions in life is number 1 your salvation decision, number 2 who you marry in life. What a faith preacher Kenneth Hagan said in all his 60 years of full-time ministry, he said God he said God never once told him who should marry who. But in 60 years he said God has often told him who should not marry who. Hallelujah. I will, we will, I will never go to someone in the church, never, ever do this, and say, I believe God says that you're to marry somebody. That's manipulation. That's just plain deceptive. Ladies, don't you ever let anyone, any fella, come up to you and says, God told me that you are to marry me. Hallelujah. I said this yesterday, and I said that's what uh, Pastor Lip tried on Wendy. He wrote to me, he says, no, that's what Wendy tried on him. (laughs) Okay. Hey, come on, don't be deceived by flattery, all right? If you get all those red flags and all those internal warnings, because marriage is such an important decision. If you get those red flags about an upcoming marriage, don't ignore them. You marry the wrong person in life. I'm telling you, it can be heaven or hell. Hell right? You marry the wrong person, it will take a huge toll on you. Better to say sorry and walk away than wreck your life. Did you know that John Wesley married a woman that beat him up physically in the marriage? Beat him up. Wow. Oh. She was a torn in his flesh, man. And, but that didn't stop him from becoming one of the greatest revivalists the world has ever seen. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying that in spite of the fact that sometimes we make mistakes in our lives and we are in the permissive will of God, God can still make things good work out for you. Hallelujah. Amen. Uh, this is to encourage those who think that you're in the wrong marriage. <laughs> Ouch. Hey, come on. You can't unscramble eggs, but you can make a pretty nice souffle, Right? Right? So we've got to be very careful about our, our decision-making process, right? You know, over the years um, in ministry, many people have, many people, and I'm not, not exaggerating, have come up to me and says, Pastor Young, we've got this amazing proposal for investment. It's a sure bet, man. You get your, can you talk to your high-value, high-net-worth individuals in Cornerstone? Tell them about this. It's like 30% rate of return annually. Come on, only the mafia gives that, man. <laughs> The guarantee rate of return, and uh, kind of like blue chip, you know. And I refuse to do anything like that because I've seen how quickly these investments go south, and I will never put myself in a place where I can be incriminated or uh, implicated of, of encouraging anyone to buy anything. That's not my business. I'm not here to make you rich. Nor is it my business to make you happy. I'm not an entertainer, I'm not a, a psychologist. I'm a preacher of the gospel, it's my job to prepare you for eternity, come on. A pastor in Singapore once said, if you attend my church and follow my teachings, you will be a millionaire. I find that repulsive, really repulsive because it stirs up the baser instincts of human beings. Because there's always going to be people that are greedy and covetous, who will ascribe to these, these teachings. Same pastor. Said, if you have communion every day, your skin will glow, and you will look beautiful, and you will be rejuvenated. And the danger with that, there are many vain people in the church who hear things like that, and then they want to look beautiful, and will buy into that silliness because that is all because that is just vanity. We partake communion to remember what Jesus has done for us, the price He paid, to stir up love and faithfulness. Amen. It's not to look good. Hallelujah. You want to look good? Go marry cha. Hallelujah. In the Old Testament, one of the ways of determining what was the will of God for your life was something called the Urim and the Tumin. These were two stones that were kept in the breastplate of the high priest uh, who wore it, uh, and God would speak to those stones. Urim means lights or to make clear or visible. Tumin means perfections to make whole or complete. So when someone came to the high priest with a with, with the need for guidance, the priest would take up those two stones in his pocket and ask the Lord for counsel and the stones will either light up or remain dull, and by this day will know the will of God. When the stones lit up, there was, it means a yes, but when the stones remain dull, it was a no, and that's how guidance was sought in the Old Testament. David sometimes used the Urim and the Tumin. but in the New Testament, got something far better than the Urim and the Tumin. We've got the Holy Spirit. Amen. And the Holy Spirit in us is the lights and perfection. Learn to recognize the rise and the fall of the Spirit within you. When you feel the rise of the Spirit, you feel the sense of lightness and freedom, it's often a Yes, but when you feel the sense of dullness, just, it's a check in the spirit. It's a check in the spirit. In the New Testament, the peace of Christ is the Urim and the Tumin. And the Bible tells us in the book of Philippians that you are not to be anxious about anything, but by prayer and supplication to let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which is your umpire, will keep you in the peace, the God of peace. Amen. Never make a critical decision without His peace. His peace is the empire. His peace is the deciding factor of our guidance. And I think that's where I made the mistake. I had this absence of peace and I kept on moving forward when I should have recognized what God was saying to me. Never move forward until you have the peace of Christ. Amen. Jesus said, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives, give I unto thee. Hallelujah. The absence of peace is a massive warning sign. The the opposite of peace, by the way, is worry. Worry. And worry is a useless emotion. Somebody said worry is a conversation you have with, with, one, with yourself about things you cannot change. <laughs> and prayer is a conversation you have with God about the things He can change. Amen? Amen. That's Facebook wisdom, by the way. There's an, uh, when there's an absence of peace, it signals something is out of order, alright? You, you pray for something. You pray for a job. Lord, should I take this job? Yes or no? Uh, Lord, should I buy this car or buy this house? Yes or no? Should I make this move? Uh, should I marry this person? Uh, if, there, if there's absence of peace, just beware, right? There's something out of sync, right? And uh, we sometimes call it the still small voice, sometimes we call it an impression prompting, but we all categorize that under the voice of the Holy Spirit. you got to be careful, my friends. Ask God for wisdom, man. Wisdom is the ability to make the right choices in life. Amen. It's the ability to live life skillfully. How do you know you made the right choice? It's when the outcome is good. And if you look at the Bible, the outcome are things like like health and and long life and and peace, hallelujah, and favor and blessing. These are good outcomes. And in a a world where everybody's looking after a good income, let me tell you, a good outcome is better than a good income. Amen. Amen. Number three is something called divine providence. I've heard stories uh, of people being warned by God to cancel a trip, but did not listen, only to find that the trip ended in great loss and tragedy. My friend Benny Prasad was booked on a flight from Singapore to Colombo on the 26th of December 2004, which is marked that date. But due to divine providence, his flight was, uh, he extended his stay by one more night here in Singapore, and postponed the flight. The next day, one of the most deadly tsunamis, of course, hit the Indian Ocean. It resulted in a massive loss of life, and his life would have been in tragedy, in danger, if he had taken that flight. That's divine providence. God protects us all the time. There's always this sense of protection, and we need to, you know, how many times have you driven your car, and you know, it's like the protection of God is always there, right? Bible teacher Bob Mumford tells the story of a pastor who was driving in his car with his friend. They were just praising the Lord in the car when all of a sudden the presence of God came in the car. They pulled the car to the side of the road and uh, the voice said to the pastor, I want you to go to Peru, Peru. And that was all he heard. It was a dramatic call. It was a direct call and the pastor assumed that God wanted him to go to Peru immediately. So he and his wife sold all their belongings and waited for God to send them to Peru. The week's They waited week after week after week, the weeks became months, the months became years, still no provision. It was seven years later that the Lord actually sent them to Peru and it was not in the manner that they had expected. And Bob described how this man's impulsiveness nearly cost him havoc in his life. The guy had the inner witness, but he didn't line it up with the word and he didn't wait for the provision. Amen. And we're often like that. You know, we hear a word, we think it's God's voice. We jump to the wrong conclusions instead of waiting for those two harbour lights To line up. Our own imagination sometimes can carry us away. And one of the major lessons I had to learn in this whole debacle is allowing time to test the word. I'll never make that mistake again, my friends. In Psalms 105, in verses 17 to 19, it says that he sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They hurt his feet with feathers, they laid him in irons until. That word until is a conjunction. Until the time that the word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested Him. If you're waiting for God to speak, you cannot rush Him. Amen. Hastiness will always lead you to the wrong decisions in life. And if there's one thing I've learned in this whole episode, God is not in a rush. Took us 18 months to buy this property. This one that we're in right now. From the time that we first came and stepped into this building, it was 18 months before we signed the option to purchase. And I felt the Lord saying, you need to give time for my voice to come to you. Amen. You know, many years ago, uh, this is (laughs) uh, over 31 years ago. The Lord called me into full-time ministry. I was in the Bible school. I had this amazing call, the prophecies and all those things that God was gonna use my life. So I knew that I was called to full-time ministry. I had a burning desire in my heart to come to full-time ministry. Uh, and when I was in the university in my second year, I went to my mom. I said, Mom, I wanna quit university and I wanna go and serve God full-time. She said to me, she said, uh, Yun, why don't you, why don't you pray and maybe finish your university. And after you finish your university, if you wanna to go to uh, serve God full-time, I'll have no objections. I think sometimes your mother's voice is the fourth great beacon of light. <laughs> So I, I, I listened to my mom, I graduated, and um, still, the, the, the timing, the, there was no call. I knew God had called me, but the, the timing had not come. So I went to the Lord in prayer and said, Lord, I'm ready to serve you in full time, but if you want me to work in the secular for a short period, I'm willing to do that. And so I waited one year, the Lord said, you're not ready, I want you to wait. I waited another year, I said, Lord, I'm ready for full time. He said, you're not ready, I want you to wait. I waited another year, he said, you're not ready, so I waited. I waited six years for before I came into full time. And then I started doing well. I was uh, I was 28 when I I, I I bought my first house, two and a half story, uh, um, landed property at 28. I had a nice car, two kids at the time, and a wife who was a school teacher, very supportive of the ministry. And all, everything was hunky dory. And I got promoted. I got promoted again, and things were doing very going very well for me. And one day my bosses came. I never forgot that. They said, "Young." you've got a great future in this company. If you stay with us, you've got a great future. And then the Holy Spirit said, now I want you to come to full-time. I rebuke that voice in Jesus' name right now. Anyway, I struggled with the voice for about six months. I, every time I opened my Bible, there's something about full-time ministry. And I closed my Bible. The next morning, I opened full-time, full-time. And you know, you, can't, you can run, but you can't hide. Amen. So finally, I, I, I decided I'm going to yield to God. I said, Lord, okay, if you want me to come to full-time ministry you must show me that you can provide for me. The Lord says, no, you come to a full-time ministry and I can show you, I can provide for you. It's called faith, all right? So finally, I made that decision. It was very difficult because I was going to come into an $800 a month paying salary. That was my salary, my starting salary. After five years, it went up to a dollars It couldn't even pay my rent. How we survived in those days was absolutely a miracle. But anyway, me here is my wife and I, I quit my job. I remember I didn't tell her in the evening, she picked me up from the MRT station. And on the way back to home, I said to her, I said, I gotta, I wanna share with you something. She said, what? I said, I quit my job. There was silence. She said, did you hear God speak to you? I said, yes, I have. And that was the end of the discussion. She never ever raised it up ever again. And I wanna thank God for a supportive wife, amen, who believed in the vision. And I'll tell you this, man, uh, I quit my job, but I was still very concerned about where my provision was going to come from. A few days after I resigned, a phone call came, senior vice president of an offshore bank, said, I heard you quit. I said, yep. He said, come and see me. I said, sure. So i met his office, beautiful office, looking over the Marina Bay area, two of us sitting down on a very nice uh, uh, couch in this plush carpets, And we were just talking and he said, you know, young, I like what you're doing. I said, you do? He said, yeah. He said, I want to help you. And he gives me a piece of paper, something we call a check, hallelujah. I open it, $12,000. Now in those days, 1990, $12,000 was was a lot of money. I said a quick prayer. I said, God, if this is full-time, I like it, hallelujah. I'm going back in the MRT train and there was this new song rising up in my spirit, deep in my spirit, new song. And the song went something like this, Lord, you should have called me earlier in full-time ministry. I get back to my office, true story, the phone rings, pick up the phone, you know the story, real estate development, the line says, uh, heard you quit. I said, yep. He said, come, can you come and see me? I said, I'll be right there. Uh, he said, no, we'll do lunch tomorrow. I said, okay, so at his office, long table, two of us were just having lunch. And I never forgot. He said, Young, I like what you're doing. I said, you do? He said, yeah. And he takes out from his uh, jacket, uh, an envelope, and he slides it across the table. I said, what's this? He said, take a look. And I opened this $9,000. And at the moment, the Holy Spirit said to me, he said, if I call you, I will provide. I will pay the bills. You will never have to worry about provision. Now, there were times in our lives that we went through, get the short seasons of, you know, really had to trust God to break through uh, in this area of finances. But I'm telling you this, 31 years later, my wife and I we stand in this place of abundance. God has blessed us beyond our wildest imaginations. Whenever we go and speak, people says, what's your, what's, can we give you a love gift? What's the point of giving? I I come because I, I, you know, we want to bless you. We want to be a a blessing to the body of Christ. Amen. God has blessed us. I said, my church has taken care of me. You don't need to take care of me. Amen. I've got an amazing congregation that takes care of me and my wife. So we're here to serve the body of Christ. We're here to serve. Them. And God has, has taken care of me. 20, uh, 31 years ago, every 27th every, uh, month, I take my ADM card, put it in the machine, and the card would credit my salary. Uh, the bank would credit my salary. If I can trust the bank to do it, I can trust the Almighty God to take care of me. Amen. And He's never failed once. And that's God's provision, right? I had to take this bungee step of faith, and then God's provision started kicking. It's amazing to see how God has provided for us. So these are the three basic lights, beacons of lights that you have to make sure that they are in alignment. If you have one and not the other two, you just got to have a check in the spirit. You have to make sure all these three are in alignment. So don't make the mistake of deciding on the basis of just one initial leading. If God is the one who's speaking to you, then all these three lights should be in perfect alignment. Did you get a word from the Lord? What was the scripture that He showed you? Next time people ask you, Pastor, I need that guidance. This is what you need. What scripture has God given to you? Show me in the Bible, where has He spoken to you? What is the scripture? What is the passage? What is the verse that God has given to you specifically for this guidance? Number two, did you hear the voice of God? What did He say to you? How did He say to you? What was the voice sound like? Do you have the peace of Christ? Number three, what is provision? If God guides you, He will provide you for you, amen? He will provide for you. He will make things line up. Hallelujah. Amen. So wait for all three things to line up now. I want to take this to a landing by saying that sometimes guidance is not always easy. I understand this. Even the Apostle Paul had made wrong decisions. One time in Acts chapter 16, he found himself being rec- ricocheted from one closed door to another closed door. They were like, Dum. they were being bounced and, 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 and from one door to another and all were closed. They tried to go into Bithynia, Holy Spirit said, no, you're not allowed to do it. They tried to go to Asia Minor, he said, no, it's not the time, you're not allowed to do that. And they found themselves, where do we do? What do we go? Where do we go from here, Lord? And then finally, a vision in the night and a man from Macedonia beckoning them to come over to help them. They were still not sure but they concluded that this was the voice of God and of course they go over to this place called Philippi, the former city of the uh, province and they started the most amazing church called the Church of the Philippines. There was a woman that was demon-possessed that kept following them, she had a python spirit. These are the servants of the Most High God. Paul was frustrated one day, he turned around and rebuked the spirit, the spirit left her and the owners, of course, had a uh, loss of financial gain, and they complained. The magistrates to them to court, they beat them up, put them in the inner prisons. And in the middle of the night, they were singing hymns and praising God. An earthquake comes, the chains are broken, the jailer sees this thing happening, doors are open, he kills himself because he knows exactly what they're gonna do with him. And Peter and Paul says, Don't, we're all here, nobody's running away. And then leads him to salvation. And I believe that that jailer was the man Paul saw in the vision. The Lord wanted to save this jailer, couldn't get the jailer to the meeting. So he sent Paul to the prison. There's some people that are so precious to God, that he would shake the heavens and the earth to find them and save them. I always remember Derek Prince, listening to him one time preach. He was in India, sitting at the railway station with Tens of thousands of people thronging all over him. And he said to the Lord, he said, Lord, what about these people? And the Lord said to him, rapists, murderers, adulterers, woman, wife beaters, all kinds of things. And then he said, and some of them, extremely precious in my sight. <laughs> oh Lord, extremely precious. And the Lord came to save those. I believe His salvation is for everyone. But there are people I want you to stand up because you're all here because of His great love for you. You're all here because He chose you from the beginning of time, long before you were even born, long even before you were in the matrix of your mother's womb. He wrote your name in a scroll. He knew everything about you. He had a blueprint written for your life. The highest aspirations that He has for you were written in the book. The perfect will of God And sometimes all we need to say is, Lord, instead of trying to plan and trying to organize my own life, what is the will of God? What is the scroll written about me, Lord? What is your purpose for my life, Lord? I believe the Holy Spirit is speaking to some of you right now. You're in that place and a crossroad where you're, you're having to make a decision. Should I turn to the left? Should I turn to the right? And that's where wisdom is of great value. That's where wisdom will tell you what you need to do. That's where the guidance of God comes in. Hallelujah. The people here right now about to make very crucial decisions about your marriage and impending. Make sure you ask the Lord. Make sure you have a word. Make sure God is showing you exactly the peace of Christ and the divine providence in your life. God, say, God, I don't want to make a mistake about my marriage. I want to make sure, Lord, that I'm married to the right person. I've I've had in Cornerstone in the last 31 years the unfortunate, uh, what the unfortunate thing about going to people and begging them, please don't marry this person, please I'm asking you, I begged certain people, don't marry this person. If you marry this person, it's going to be painful all your life. You will regret this. And they reply, but I, Pastor, my my wedding gown is already done lah so late already don't change my invitations are all prepared already I said look you can cancel it you can still cancel it now and it's not a sin and you can still walk away from this um, but pastor I made all these arrangements already you know, just go for it and then nine months later the marriage is divorced and pain and suffering and I just sometimes wish people would listen but anyway that's another song Father in Jesus name I pray and Cornerstone gone that we are living in the time where we cannot make crucial decisions, Lord. Key de- decisions in our lives, Lord, that will, that will throw, off, throw us off course, even by a small two degree, and yet we end up in a very different trajectory for our lives, Lord. Not the one that you intended for us. And I know that many people here make very crucial decisions in, in, in their lives, Lord. And I pray in Jesus' name that you will give them wisdom. You give them wisdom, Lord, to always make the right choices. That God they will wait and they will wait for you until these tree lights line up in Jesus' name, Shika come on just pray in the spirit just for a few moments we're going to close it in a few moments but i just feel this sense of weightiness in the spirit right now father in jesus name jesus name jesus name god i don't want to see anybody make the wrong choices in life lord make the wrong decisions lord you make the right choice and you will enter into a life of plenty and favor and blessings hallelujah i know that god can can turn things around in your life i know that he can make all things work for good but it's so much better hallelujah hallelujah it is so much better that you don't make those mistakes in life brother bailey told me a story one time he said during the jesus people movement he said many of these people the people that got saved the hippies when they got up to share and testify in the church that they were all their terrible sins and all the things that they had done and um it was like uh it was like sin nature one-on-one. I mean, they were just teaching the people, this is all the terrible things I used to do in life and everybody was aghast. And, but they would end up by saying, Jesus save me and, and everybody would feel, oh my Lord, I don't have a testimony like this. And one, year, one man I, I, uh, in this audience said, Lord, I, I'm so sorry, I don't have a testimony like these people. And the Lord said, neither do I. <laughs> neither do I. So Father, I just pray that we will make the right choices in life. Just bless your people with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly place and the blessing of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you and abide with you now and forevermore. And everybody said, Amen. Let's give God a big praise. You've just listened to a production of Cornerstone Community Church. Please note that all unauthorized reproduction, distribution, or sale of the recording is prohibited for permission to reproduce or distribute the sermon please write into mail at cscc.org.sg we hope that you have been blessed